So, um, so why do we take the time to learn these things? Uh, so we don't end up like the Thessalonians. They were confused about the rapture. And so this is why we take the time to learn about these things. And uh, you remember I talked about it last week that uh, Paul had spoke there in First Thessalonians, and then he's, he left after three weeks, and then he comes back a year later and writes this letter to them. And they had already uh, had gotten confused about the rapture because some people had come behind them and, and did some false teaching about uh, because they were being persecuted and told them that they were going through the tribulation. And uh, here's the thing. How do, you, how do you combat a false teacher? With the truth of God's word. That's it. Uh, this, is, this is the truth. And so um, I know this isn't stuff that's everyday applicable, uh, like, like the whole armor of God. Some of us like to hear that, you know, and those things which we could, we could use every day. But this is something that we still need to, to know. And here's the thing. If we know these things, we can talk about the blessed hope, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so starting into this, I want you guys to buckle up. I want you to get ready because there, there's some heavy hitting stuff here. And I believe that everybody in here is mature enough in their faith to handle this. And, uh, you know, some people would say, oh, well, this is, this is boring or this doesn't apply to me. Well, the word of God is never boring. Um, if you think it's boring, you need to check your heart. I'll, just, I'll leave that one right there. So um, if you need a heading here, the first uh, par- portion of this, it talks about the man of lawlessness or uh, the falling away. Um, so verse uh, 1 in chapter 2 says this, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being uh, gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, their translated brothers can be brothers and sisters. It's plural uh, there. It could, it's, could be talking to both. And Paul starts right at the heart and the purpose of Second Thessalonians, which is this, teaching about the rapture of the church. Matter of fact, uh, uh, if you look, Thessalonians, there's more talk about the rapture uh, than, than most of the other books in the Bible. Being gathered together um, with him refers to the rapture. And how many are, gonna, are looking for that blessed day that we're raptured out of here? I am. I am. And so um, it, it says this, uh, uh, verse 2 says this, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or spoken word or letter seeming to be from us. So let me rephrase that. Let me read that all together. Go back to verse 1 for me real fast. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being together, uh, being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, uh, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by spirit or spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us uh, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So Paul, he starts this letter. He's responding to these, these false teachers who have come, and they're, they're trying to cause um, some issues. And so he, he's dealing with the, the, uh, those believers at Thess- Thessalonica. Um, there was false prophecies. There were false teachers. And um, there are even forged letters in Paul's name. How many um, don't like, anybody ever had your identity stolen in here? I don't know if anybody's ever had your identity. It is, it, that is a mess, isn't it? And, and isn't it aggravating when someone writes something in your name when you didn't write it? I mean, I mean, can you imagine how Paul's feeling? And he's dealing with Christians here. I want you to think about this. These Christians 
are really baby Christians because they've only been saved one year. You say, some of you say, well, I've been saved, you know, I feel like I've been saved a long time. One year is really, I've been saved a long time. And one year being saved, I, I tell you what, after being saved for a long period of time, I realized that my one year of being saved, I, I knew not as much as I thought I knew. How many have learned and grown as you've, as you've known the Lord, right? That's the way it should work. And so uh, they were given false prophecies and false teachings and even the forged letter. And, and Paul's saying this, don't be troubled by these things. Don't, um, and it's important to know uh, what you're being taught. Amen? Amen? It's important that you and I know what we're being taught. There's a lot of people who, who oftentimes will look at Scripture, manipulate Scripture, bend Scripture at times. Amen? And, um, and so we have to be really careful. Uh, has anybody ever seen uh, the movie? I was talking about this with Aaron Poole, the movie A Thief in the Night. Anybody remember that, that Christian movie from? All right. So <clears throat> it's a movie about uh, before the Left Behind series ever came out. They came out with these movies in like probably the late 70s, maybe the early 80s. And it's a series of movies about the tribulation and things like that. Well, uh, being the, the great preacher kid that I am, my mom and dad got a hold of those. And we watched those uh, movies when I was young. And I remember watching those movies and just just really just... Man, at the, after watching one of those, just wanting to kneel down right there in front of the TV and make sure that I had everything right with the Lord because I didn't want to miss the rapture. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, so I, I had watched that when I was younger. And I remember one time, me and my brother, we got home from school. We got off the bus. <coughs> and our parents' car cars were in the, uh, you know, where we parked. We walked in the house and, and you know, I didn't see mom and dad. And it was quiet at the house, and I was like, Mom, you know how you, you come in? Mom, Dad, and the cars were there. It was weird, you know, and there was a, towels in the floor in the bathroom, and it was just like, what is going on? So, and I remember thinking in my mind, John, my brother, we've missed the rapture, buddy. Mom and Dad are gone. The cars are here, you know. And I remember, and that was back before cell phones, so you couldn't just text somebody, right? And they were my pastors, so who else would I have called, you know? And I remember thinking, man, we have missed the rapture. And what had happened was someone at the church had stopped by and came and picked them up and took them somewhere. And then they got home just a few minutes later. And I remember thinking, I was so happy in my, in my heart that I didn't miss the rapture. Anybody ever having a moment like that? All right, am I the only one? All right, thank you. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, and, and so it's important that we know what the word says and, and to understand it. And, and in my finite young self, I didn't quite understand uh, at that moment, you know, there are certain things I maybe mis misunderstood, maybe some of the, the movie that I'd watched, The Thief in the Night, and maybe some misunderstanding of how the end times were going to work and things like that. And I just, uh, but here's the thing. As a believer, we have hope. We shouldn't live in fear. Amen? And so it says this. Uh, and to continue on, it says this, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So uh, how many know what the day of the Lord is? Anybody want to guess what the day of the Lord is? I'll tell you if you don't know. Um, and here's the thing. If we don't know what the day of the Lord is, we can be deceived. This is this. There's scripture here. I'm, I'm going to show you could, could back this up. Um, when someone uh, says, hey, you know, this is the day of the Lord, and we don't understand what that is, that's something that, that we can misinterpret if we're not careful. But if what this is talking about is in Joel chapter 1 and chapter 2, 
it describes the day of the Lord. I'm going to paraphrase it. So what is that? When the Lord intervenes in human history and begins uh, and, and brings about judgment and justice to this world. So this is how it will begin. It will begin uh, at the beginning of the tribulation and extend through the millennium and, cul and, and culminate with the replacement of this earth by a new creation, okay? Um, and so the, the Lord is going gonna to do those things. And so that is where the day of the Lord starts. So he's talking about that. Verse 3 says this, let no one, everyone say no one, deceive you in any way. Uh, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. So there's this, this thing that needs to happen, right, that needs to happen before uh, the day of the Lord comes. So how do you keep from being deceived? I said this earlier. How do you keep from being deceived? By knowing the truth. This is why we teach on these things. This is why, you know what, we don't, we don't have to sit here and dwell on these things constantly but it's important that as believers that we understand and we know these things, right? And so rebellion uh, has to come first. The King James Version actually says there is a falling away. Everyone say falling away. And, and it comes from this Greek word, which is apostasia. Everyone say apostasia. All right, almost sounds Italian. Apostasia, right? It's actually Greek, apostasia. And apostasia has two Viable translations. When we look at this word, there's two viable translations. And I want you to tune in here if you're taking notes. Um, the first one is this. It's turning one's back to the truth. So if this is the truth, apostasia is this, rejecting the truth. Turning your, your spiritual, turning away from what is the truth. So that's the first definition. The second is, the, uh, is a literal or a physical departure. So... Um, if you break this down, some scholars, Bible scholars, believe uh, that the physical departure is the rapture or the taking of the church. And then others argue that it's the turning away from the truth. Well, you may say, hey, well, well Pastor, which one is it? And my answer is yes. It's both. I, I really do believe that. Uh, I believe that people are going to turn away, and I'll, I'll show you here. I, could be, I believe it could be translated either way, and I think Paul chooses that word inspired by the Holy Ghost so that we can reason and we can look at this and we can understand what that great day is going to be. Matthew 24, 12 says this, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Many will turn away from the truth. In our time, have you ever seen so many people call bad good and good bad? All right. These are just signs of the time. I don't have to go into very many details, but you could fill in the blanks where we can look at our society and things that even 10 years ago we thought were not even possible. Guess what? Now they're starting to transpire and happen. Um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, it says this. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Everyone say amen. And, and so we will, we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage, I like verse, eight, verse 18 says this. Therefore, encourage one another in these words. The rapture should be encouragement to you and me 
not fear and drudgery. Amen? So uh, the tribulation will begin when this world turns its back on God and when the people of God are taken out and raptured, okay? Taken out and raptured. So some people, um, when you talk about these things, they get uneasy and they don't want to talk about this type of thing. But Paul says this, we should be encouraging one another about the coming day of the rapture. Right? I mean, that, that's, that is what Paul, verse 18, let me read it. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 18 says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Man, I can say, hey, Matt, we are going in the rapture. That's exciting, right? And so we, we should be encouraging one another with those words. I, I love this. And the next portion of the scripture says, and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction. So lawlessness here may be rendered uh, sin in your Bible. Does anyone's Bible, does it say sin there? It may say sin. Um, lawlessness uh, can be rendered there. Uh, and, it, and, and it says the man of lawlessness or sin will be revealed. The son of destruction, the King James Version says the son of perdition. How many have ever heard that? The son of perdition, right? We've heard that um, two times this phrase, the son of perdition, is used in Scripture. And um, this, there's this instance where it's talking about the Antichrist, okay, the son of perdition. And there's one other character in the Bible that is referred to as the son of perdition. And, and if you go to John chapter 17, verse 12, it says, and this is Jesus speaking, he says this, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Talking about his disciples. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. The only other person in, in the scripture called the son of perdition is Judas Iscariot. He is the only person that is mentioned and called that. He's speaking of Judas Iscariot there. And here's what we need to know. The same spirit that the Antichrist will have is the same spirit that Judas had, a spirit of betrayal that turns his back on Christ. All right, are you hearing me out? So when Jesus or when Judas betrayed Jesus, he turned his back on Jesus and the truth. And so will a world when the Antichrist is, is taking, uh, taking over and the Holy Spirit is out of this world because the Holy Spirit's got to move before the Antichrist can come in. Men and women will reject the truth of God and, allow, and follow the Antichrist, all right? And, and in John chapter 12, when, when Mary broke her alabaster box at the feet of Jesus, uh, you remember Judas, he said this, what, what purpose is this waste? You know, talking about her breaking that perfume. He was more concerned about selling that perfume and, and doing something with it. And, and here's the thing. Can I tell you this? Nothing given to the Lord is ever wasted. And that's it. Uh, I, I love this story. A young missionary was martyred by the Aka Indians, and he said this before he died. I love this. He said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that, that young uh, uh, missionary was Jim Elliott. He said this. I'm going to read it again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And how many, and here's the thing, Jim, Jim Elliott there, he saw the big picture. He saw the big picture. Hey, I may be giving up my life, but I get to gain heaven. 
But look at this. Judas on the other side, the, the son of perdition, he did not. He did not understand that. So, so continuing speaking of, uh, of the son of destruction or the Antichrist, verse 4 says this. Who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. So this is talking about during the tribulation, what's going to happen is there's going to be the Antichrist. Um, and he is going to come into power and he's going to solve a lot of issues that are going on. Because there's going to be a lot of issues going on in the world and people are going to see him. And he's going to, to make peace between the nation of Israel and Muslim nations there. And I'll get into that just a little bit. He's going to exalt himself. He's going to put himself in the temple, all right? In, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Children, it is the last hour, as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So how many Antichrists have come? All right? So, and, and therefore, we know that is the last hour. So many have come in, in, uh, in the name of being God, uh, but the Antichrist is the final declaration of blasphemy. All right? Um, what are you saying there? There's a lot of people who have come, and, and, and I'm not saying they are the Antichrist. I'm saying they had the spirit of Antichrist. All right? That have come uh, before us, but in the end, they will become. They will become one. He will be. He will be the climax of this, and 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 so he will sit in the temple of God, and I believe physically there in Jerusalem, and this is what he's going to do. But uh, and 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 there's another thing I just want to say. I'm just going to bring this little truth out that I thought this was a pretty cool nugget. What else is considered the temple of God? Look at this, in 1 Corinthians um, 6, 19, it says our bodies are. So stick with me here. Uh, stick with me here. I, I want to show you something. And, and anti doesn't mean necessarily against. It can also mean in place of. Okay, in place of. So the spirit of Antichrist will run rampant through this world. I'm talking about during the tribulation. I'm not talking about now. But when I say, uh, uh, you know, when people say, hey, I don't need to rely on Christ for this answer. I don't need to pray about my kids today. I, I don't need to pray about this or that. You know what that is? Saying, Lord, I, I don't, I'm not concerned about what you say I need to do in this concerning this. And what is the result uh, uh, when I take things in my own hands and, and, and really am kind of operating in this, this little bit of spirit of Antichrist? The same results as the Antichrist, famine and destruction and, and, and rumors of war. So what happens in our life? What do you mean? Some of us, instead of praying to the Lord to answer things in, in our marriages and things like that, we take it into our own hands. And guess what? Our marriage issues that seem like war, right? Everyone say amen, right? And sometimes the famine or the lack in our life is the spirit of Antichrist, and it's a lack of awareness needing Christ. Now, it's subtle. It could subtly sneak in, okay, into us at times. And, and apart, this is what the scripture I use Sunday. Apart from him, I can do nothing. So without Jesus in all of my decisions, man, it's about submission to God 100%. Lord, in every decision I make, God, I don't want to make it on my own accord. I want you to lead and guide me. I want you to help me to make every decision that I make. So uh, um, 
So none of us, and, and listen to me, none of us are the Antichrist in the sense that we are uh, against Christ. But we, however, are vulnerable to the subtle thinking that takes the place of Christ. Instead of, Lord, lead and guide me, help me to make this decision. Lord, I'm going to make this decision because I feel this is what I think is best. Amen. Uh, so let's be wise and declare and, and, and dedicate our, our, our temple to the one and only Jesus Christ. Now, we know that in, in the middle of the trib- tribulation that the Antichrist is going to, to take up residence. He's going to go to the temple there in Jerusalem. And the next portion of this scripture says pro- proclaiming himself to the God. So after the rapture, in verse 3, the Antichrist will come into power and demand to be worshipped as God in the temple in Jerusalem. Um, has anyone ever been to Jerusalem in here? Anybody ever been on a trip? All right, awesome. Um, I've never been there, um, but I know this. I, I, this is interesting to me. I, I looked this up. There's this site called the Temple Institute, and you know what their job is to? To rebuild the temple there in Jerusalem. And if you look on their site, you will be amazed at what the stuff that they have got ready to go. They are waiting for just the word to start this process. It's pretty interesting. Uh, I've never been there, but I know this, that they have the blueprints to put, put the temple back together, to, to build it back up. They have, they're ready to do it. Uh, I, and I know this. That, you know, some of us would say, well, there's there's a lot of things. they got to have these priestly robes. Well, guess what? They figured out how to redo these, how to remake these priestly robes that, uh, you know, and so they've, they've done that. And, and, then, and, and then in 2008, um, matter of fact, in 2008, okay, 14 years ago, 14 years ago, they fitted the priest for their robes. Pretty interesting, right? I think that's pretty interesting, um, uh, such as garments. So the Temple Institute, you know, they, they say this, and they have been working vigorously, and, and they are working on raising a perfect red heifer. Matter of fact, I watched a video on that today, and I was looking at that, and I thought, man, that is super interesting. Um, uh, and I watched a video t- with, with the leader of this Temple Institute talking about the future temple, and, and he said the, these words, and listen to me, he said these words. He said, saying that this place, listen, the, the temple that they're going to build, this place will be a place for all to worship. I want you to stop and think about that statement. He, is, he is, truly is prophetically speaking because when this temple is built, the world, the tribulation, the church is going to be out of here. I, you may want to be here during post-trib, whatever. That's your business. I'm out of here. I plan on being out of here because I, I believe that the blood of Jesus is, is worthy, and I, and I know how God's character works, and God pulls the righteous out. And, and listen, I won't go all into all that, but, uh, but here's the thing. During that time, everyone in this world will worship the Antichrist, all right? Um, it's interesting. You say, wait a minute, TJ, there, there's the Dome of the Rock. It's, it's there on the Temple Mount, which it is. It's the third holiest site for Islam. And, and some archaeologists uh, believe that, uh, and scholars believe that the Dome of the Rock does not exactly sit where the Holy of Holies was. Now, some, some say yes, and some say, hey, it'll have to be removed, and it'll be, they'll be rebuilt. But 
regardless of whatever happens, the the temple's going to be rebuilt, okay? And, and we know that. And some say, uh, actually, the Holy of Holies is under this gazebo they called the Dome of Tablets. So what are the tablets? Call, talking about the Ten Commandments and the, and the Dome of the Spirit. What is the Dome of the Spirit? Speaking of the Holy of Holies where God's glory filled the temple. So regardless of that, the Antichrist will say, hey, I'll solve all these world issues. I will finally make the Jews and the Muslim nations have peace. And guess what? The world is going to love me, and we're, we're going to be A-OK. And so, and they've been fighting for years and years and thousands of years, and, and, and he'll say this. You Jews build your temple and the Holy of Holies, and you Muslims either, either keep or rebuild the Dome of the Rock, separating the two with the wall. Because Ezekiel 42.20 says this. He measured it uh, to the four sides. It had a wall around it, 500 cubits long and 500 cubits broad, to make a separation between the holy and the common. So in the midst of this, uh, uh, of his popularity, he will walk into the temple and demand to be worshipped, is what, is what the scripture says, and, and showing himself as God and uh, to, to uh, the second half of the tribulation. So Paul says this in, in Thessalonians. He's telling the Thessalonians here, don't be shaken. Uh, you're not in the tribulation, all right? I, I, I tell you all those things. I'm not telling you all those things to, to, to cause consternation or to cause you to feel uneasy or any of those things. Because guess what? My hope is not in the Antichrist. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so he's saying, hey, there are signs uh, that, that we need to look for. And, and so and he's telling them. He's even telling them there are signs that you guys need to look for and, and that you need to look for. Verse 5 says this. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? He's like a parent telling kids right here. Do you not remember what I told you, right? How many, how many have to tell your kids a hundred times? Do you not remember what I told you before I left? Don't you remember what I, what I taught you when I was with you guys? I, I begin to think about this. How easy we forget. We get a word from God and we Move away from that word of God. We forget that word of God, right? Uh, and I begin to think about this. Uh, at that time, these people didn't have the inspired word of God that we have. Do you realize how blessed you are to have this book, to have access to this book? These people, all they heard was the the uh, was Paul coming in and teaching them and some letters, and they just had people that were constantly teaching them. So they had to literally memorize these things in their hearts. Man, I'm so glad that I have this book that if I want to be a little bit lazy, I can go back here to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and I can learn what Paul said about the Antichrist. What a blessing that we have, right? Uh, and Paul simply saying this, don't forget what I said. Uh, and, and you're in doubt because you forgot. But how often do we forget? And I have to say, hey, Lord, forgive me because I have a reminder right here that could help me in, in all my situations, in all my situations. So uh, it's a good reminder for us not to forget. Verse 6 says this, and you know uh, what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So I talked a little bit about this. So the mystery of lawlessness or is Satan's desire to take control uh, of this world through the Antichrist, all right? 
Um, the spirit of Antichrist is present in the world, but is not a full work because of the Holy Spirit. All right? The one thing that is stopping the devil right now, dead in his track, is the Holy Spirit, active and alive, working in this world right now. Amen? And so we have to understand that Isaiah 59, 19 says this, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Holy Spirit will raise up a standard against the enemy. Amen? And so it, the Holy Spirit makes sure that the man of lawlessness, lawlessness uh, or the son of perdition is revealed in his time and doesn't show up early. So however... The spirit of Antichrist does not operate, uh, it, it, or it does operate in mystery. So what does that mean? Even though the Antichrist has not been personified, we don't know who the Antichrist is. The spirit of the Antichrist, or the mystery, is stirring hostility towards Christ and his people. That's the people that say, bad is good. Good is bad. You guys are antiquated in your thinking. You don't know what you're talking. That's called lawlessness. It, see, the thing about, here's, here's how you know, God does not work in chaos. God does not work in chaos. The Antichrist causes chaos, okay? Uh, so uh, lawlessness will be in mystery form until the people of God are raptured out. Once we are raptured out of here, once the Spirit of God comes off of this world, Listen, the devil is going to have his heyday. So only he, uh, the next portion says, only he who now restrains it will do so. So the King James Version, I like this. It says, who now letteth will let. Everyone say, letteth will let. That's, that's a really fancy way to say that. Uh, does anybody play tennis in here? No. Um, a let is a term used in tennis that refers to when you are serving the ball and when someone serves the ball and it hits the net, it deflects off the net when it's served and it keeps it from being a fair serve. So right now, hey, right now the Holy Spirit is that standard raised up that is preventing the devil from serving the ball and making the Antichrist go into play into this world. You ought to be thankful for that. Amen? Uh, uh, and so look at this. Until he is out of the way, talking about the Holy Spirit, the, the third person of the Godhead, who is the force hindering Satan's plan from moving forward? The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in you is stopping the devil's plan from moving forward. So the Spirit working within the church, it's why it's important. Hey, it's why it is so important. If you don't hear anything else, it's important for us to be a people of prayer. You ought to be a, a, a person of prayer. Why? Because you know what? You ought to be praying, God, your will be done in this, this world. God, I pray, Lord, that, that you would raise a standard up against the enemy. Lord, that you would, you would help men's eyes to be opened up. Lord, that you would shine light in dark places. Lord, that you would reveal who you are to this lost and dying world. Amen. While there's still time, we ought to, we ought to be praying that. And, and, and I, sometimes I think sometimes the church, we're just a little bit passive 
in, in dealing with these things. Do you realize the, the implications of, uh, of how effective the church can be in prayer? Amen. And I, I know this. So look at this. In verse, verse 8, it says this. It, it says, uh, so, uh, well, the rapture, it takes, it, it's like the net. And once it's removed, once the Holy Spirit's removed, Satan's volley begins. And you know what? It, it'll, just, it'll just spread like wildfire. Verse 8 says this. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Who is the lawless one? Antichrist. That's the Antichrist. It's going to be personified. It's not going to be a mystery anymore. We're going to know who this, uh, well, uh, you might know who this person is. I don't plan on being here. I'm going to be with Jesus Christ, all right? But, but uh, th- so it will be personified. A lawless or wicked one will be revealed as the Antichrist. So after the church has been raptured, Satan will uh, fill a human vessel who will usher in this new economic system and world order and, and uh, proceeding the tribulation. So um, you, may, you may say, you know, come on, do you really believe that Satan will fill a person and do all this? And I say yes, because here's the thing. Man, it, just in the last two or three years, the world that we once knew has flipped and changed so dramatically at an accelerated rate. Things that you thought five years ago would never happen. Things that you thought 20 years ago, there is no way that will ever happen are right up in your front door right now. I mean, look how fast that the world government, uh, you know, government shut down the world's economy in the last two years. Think, think about how fast that worked. Are, are, are you saying that was wrong, TJ? No, no, no. I'm not saying it was wrong. I think there was a reason. Uh, but, but here's what I know. I, the, the world uh, has really, I mean, really has tried to push the, the car in a manual into fifth gear and move forward as fast as we can. In the last 20 years, we, uh, we would have laughed at some of the things that are happening now. But now, we're just like, man, I cannot believe this is happening at such a historic rate. You know that the, the rate right now that they're trying to get a one-world currency is at an accelerated rate. Twenty years ago, we probably would have laughed about that thing. A cashless society is right knocking on our door at, at this very time, right? How many use cash? Not very often, right? I mean, some people do, some people don't. You could still use cash, but guess what? It's it's going away. And a matter of fact, even some of the things uh, during the pandemic, you know, well, there's there's germs when you hand over cash. So now there was those emphasis to push to more of, of you know where you pay online and you do these things. And so, are you trying to scare us, TJ? No, I'm just saying there is the, the reality of these things are right in front of us, and history has proven many uh, have been working in the spirit of Antichrist, but. When the lawless one is revealed, it will be different. Once the Antichrist takes over, man, this world, and we're out of here, this world is going to, to be a bad place to be. It says this in the next verse, whom the Lord, or the second part of that verse, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Uh, I like this verse. Um, as intimidating as the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist may be, when Jesus comes back, you know how he's going to defeat the Antichrist? With his words. With his words. Like, and, and, and uh, I love the, the King James Version. I, I, th- said, I believe it says the appearance of light. And he will defeat the Antichrist with the word. And by, by his brightness will blast the Antichrist into oblivion. So how bright is Jesus? Revelation 21, 23 says this. And the city has no need 
of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and it is the lamp of the Lamb. That's how God, that's how bright Jesus is. I love that. So Jesus uh, will take care of the Antichrist with his words and shine a light on his darkness. So verse 9 says this, the coming of lawless, the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all the power and false signs and wonders. So here's the thing. There will be many uh, false signs and lies of wonders that Satan will work through the Antichrist. And some um, will, I mean, they, and they will be false. They will be lies. And say, um, how many, I'm going to show you something here. How many know that the children of Israel, they saw the Red Sea parted, right? They saw the Red Sea parted. They saw the Red Sea swallow Pharaoh's army, right? Uh, they saw the mountain shake, and they heard a voice from heaven. They saw food fall from heaven, and the earth uh, swallow people. They were led by a fiery pillar at night and a cloud by day. How many say that's some pretty amazing things to see God doing? Uh, they saw more signs and more wonders than any of us could ever even, uh, maybe maybe more than any group in history, yet the children of Israel could not enter the promised land because of their unbelief. No matter all these signs that are happening, is their unbelief that got them. See, I, I want to show you something. Signs and wonders uh, uh, do not produce faith. Okay? You say, wait, wait, wait a second. Uh, they, here's what they produce. They only produce a craving for more signs and wonders. All right? I'm going to show you something. Uh, centuries later, John would write this about the children of Israel in John 6.30. He would say that the Jews were still seeking more. They're still looking for more. Um, so look at this. As we approach the end times and the days, there will be an increase in signs and wonders along with vulnerability within the body of Christ to chase after and be intrigued by them. I'm going to show you something. Mark 16.17 says this. Jesus said that signs and wonders will follow those who believe, not the other way around. You don't follow signs and wonders, they follow you. The problem today is that those who believe are following signs and wonders versus walking it and doing it. See, there's a big difference. Miracles do not produce faith. I believe they can stir our faith, but the, but the word of God, Romans 10, 17 Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of that's what produces faith. Amen. I believe that when you see someone, you see a miracle, I think it can stir us. But in that time, in that time, uh, the, the Antichrist will be, he'll be moving, and he'll be doing signs and wonders. And so it's important that we keep our eyes on Jesus and not signs and wonders. Verse 10 says this, and with all the wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Okay, um, I want to say this. When we talk about the tribulation, the tribulation is for people that have rejected Christ. I talked about that last week. That is, that is the reason for, uh, for the tribulation. Verse 11 says this. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that uh, they may be believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's a lot to unpack in this little three-verse uh, thing here. Here's the thing. When we pray, we can pray two ways. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done. Or we can pray, my kingdom come, my will be done. That's, 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 that's what this is talking about. People who, who accept the truth of Christ and people who reject the truth of Christ. He who prays the latter uh, of, of my kingdom come, my will be done, says I am the king of my domain. I get to call the shots. And God gives us this freedom. God gives us this free will. And we can pray either way. But listen to this. When we pray, when we, uh, when we pray, we will be done. We will have rejected God and his will for our lives. So after the rapture, listen, stick with me here. I, I'm going somewhere. After the rapture, God will allow these Christ-rejecting people to fall to the delusion of the false lies of the Antichrist because they made a choice to reject the truth of God. You say, how, how could people think or, or be that way? God will allow them to be, I guess, uh, an easy way to say that God will allow them to be duped for, uh, for causing uh, a new level of rebellion. And guess what? When these people have rejected Christ, they will, they will be uh, allies to the Antichrist. So uh, I know that's a lot to, to take in there. I know that there's a, there's a lot that we could take out of those three little verses there. I could actually preach a whole series just on that through that, that little bit. And there's a lot to unpack there. But here's the thing. The truth of the matter is this. If you reject God, listen, if you reject God, and some people say, well, can people be saved in the tribulation? I, and, and I believe that in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 6, it talks about some will be martyred for, for the sake of Christ. But here's the thing. This is what I'm going to tell you. When the Holy Spirit's out of this world, listen, the conviction that you have now, you may not feel that same strong conviction in your heart. And I've always heard preachers say this, you know, if you won't live for Christ now, what makes you think that you'll die for him later? And I begin to really think about that as a young man. I, I'm not saying that people can't get saved during the tribulation. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, but but I, I do, I do want to say this. If you're that person that's like, oh, I'll just I'll work it out during the tribulation, I promise you that th that scripture right there tells us that God, if you, if you rejected God, God's going to allow you to be fooled by the delusion of the lie of the Antichrist because that's called free will. He's going to allow you to do that. That's just the way God works. So he kind of turns, turns here at uh, verse 13. He kind of shifts gear. Man, how many said that, that's a lot to swallow in that little bit of Scripture. That's, that's a ton to unpack and to really, like, you could just chew on that for a long time. But Paul shifts gears here at, and, uh, in verse 13, and he begins to encourage them. And that's what I like about Paul is he goes, he, he gives you a lot of this meat, and then he's like, hey, let me encourage you. Let me, let me, how many like to be encouraged? I like what he says here. And he says this to the Thessalonians 13. He says, uh, uh, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved uh, by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. And verse 14 says this. Uh, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, moving from talking about the Antichrist and his regime and the end times, he reminds the Thessalonians and us, and us. 
stand firm in your faith. Okay? Don't don't be don't be moved by every wind and doctrine that's floating around right now. And, and, and I love this. The first thing he says there is give thanks to God. And he gives thanks to God for them. He's like, I'm thankful for all you Thessalonians. I, I'm grateful for you guys. And, and, and God has chosen you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in truth. And, and here's the difference. Unbelievers, listen, so if I'm a Christian and God has chosen me, I am marked by righteousness. But listen to this. Unbelievers are marked by unrighteousness and will believe the Antichrist lies. So there's the difference. So, uh, and if you look at this scripture, you can break it down subtly. You see a little picture of the Trinity. The God the Father chooses, the Son loves, and the Holy Spirit uh, makes us holy. So look at this. I mean, you can, you can look into that a little bit deeper if you want to. Verse 15 says this. So then, brothers, uh, stand firm. Amen. Everyone say stand firm. And hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by letter. Remember, I talked to you about the Thessalonians not having this thing right here. So they had to learn just by by oral, uh, you know, storytelling or what, you know, but just being lectured. And so stand firm when all you've done and all you all you all you can do if you don't know what else to do, just stand. Okay, when the wind's blowing, just stand. Uh, uh, it says this, the, the second part of that says hold to the traditions that were given by lecture, teaching or by letter. And the New Testament um had not been written, but and really the what they retained depended on their on their um, memories, right? How many would say, "Man, if I had to remember the Bible by my memory, I'd be in bad shape." And some of us would be in bad shape, uh, you know. And so that's that just that just happens sometimes in our in our in our you know our memories don't don't do us very well. I I heard the story of a of a guy who was a golfer, and he was a good golfer, and he was middle-aged, and, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, man, uh, he said, doc, I, I, I'm having trouble seeing, and he said, he goes, yeah, he said, I need to look at your eyes, but he said, he said, man, you're, you're, you're going, you're going blind, and uh, he said, you know, you're, you're going to have to change some of the things you do, he said, man, I, I love playing golf, doc, and uh, he said, I don't, I don't know really what to do, and he said, he said, well, I can tell you this, he said, I know a man uh, that comes to the doctor's office, he said he's up there in age. He's like 90 years old, but he has 20/20 vision. And matter of fact, if you talk to him, he's retired. He's got he's got time on his hands. He can come and and he can help you find the ball. You know, if you hit the ball. And so he said, man, that would be great. So he he got this guy out there, this 90 year old man, and he got up at the tee and he hit the ball and it went really far. And he couldn't see where it went. And he looked over to this man who was 90. And the old man was looking down the fairway, just looking for the ball. And he said, man, where did it go? And he said, I, he said, I followed it all the way. And he goes, where did it go? And he goes, I forgot where it went. Right? So our memories, sometimes they fail us, right? Oh, that was a little better joke than what I had last week, I guess, right? Um. Traditions, the New Testament says this, traditions or, or newer translations says ordinances. So um, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with traditions. There's nothing wrong with ordinances. Matter of fact, we, we believe this. Someone wrote this, and I, I love this. I thought this was great. S- some would try to say, talking about traditions, some would say, try to say that baptism is no longer necessary 
or that communion is not optional or the need to pray the Lord's Prayer or that meeting together for church for a Bible study is, 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 not help, is helpful but not crucial. But can I tell you this? This is what they said. Jesus was baptized in water, as was Peter. So was John. So was the great preachers D.L. Moody, C.H. Spurgeon, and Billy Graham. I may not have the boldness of Moody or fervorance of Spurgeon or anointing of Billy Graham, but I can stand in the waters of baptism where they stood. And he would go on to say this. I can sit uh, where the greatest Christians have sat around uh, for ages and partake in the communion like they did. Uh, I, 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 I can preach like R.A. Torrey or Charles Finney, but I, but I can't preach like R.A. Torrey or Charles Finney, but I can uh, pray exactly the way that they prayed by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, I don't have the power of the early church, but I do uh, uh, exactly as they did every time I meet fellow believers and study God's word. So those things, those traditions, I, I sometimes, you know what? Those are things that are, that are non-negotiable in the kingdom of God, and we need those things. Those things are important. And those traditions and ordinances are, are, sometimes they're not the cool thing to do. But can I tell you something? I would rather do the thing that pleases God than do the cool thing. Amen? That's just where I'm at in my life. I'm done trying to be cool. I'm, I'm getting old. I'm losing my hair. I'm a dad. I mean, all the cool factor is gone. But I'm okay with that. I would rather stand firm in an unchanging and unwavering God and say, hey, I will serve you in all, every capacity in every way that I can. Verse 16 says this, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our, our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and, and good hope through grace. Remember, he's talking to the Thessalonians. If you were here last week, I talked about the markers of, of the Thessalonica church and the markers of any good church is faith, love, and hope. And then when he prefaced them in this one, he talked about their faith and he talked about their love, but he left out hope because they had lost their hope, the, the rapture of Jesus Christ. And so here he says this, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Amen. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. I love this because six times um, he, uh, they would, he would use, Paul would use this word comfort. Everyone say comfort. It's a watchword in this epistle in the uh, uh, Thessalonians, both of them. And the greatest comfort of all is that Jesus could come today. Amen. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know if I want to, I'm ready for the Lord to come. I tell you what, even so, Lord, come quickly. Come now. Come. take. Jesus could come, and he could take his bride, the church, away to heaven. And that is, that is the glory that we have. And here's, when he does that, we don't have to face the darkness of this world. We don't have to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, worry about what the Antichrist is going to do. We get to go to heaven, and we get to be with Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? Amen? I, I love that. That's one of my, uh, like, life songs. I, I love to sing that. And, and, and I don't say all these things to scare you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to, to make you feel, like, anxious or anything like that because I believe that if we understand the love of God, here's, here's why we don't have to be worried. This is why you don't have to be scared. Because Jesus Christ made a way out. 
Amen. And how many are grateful for that tonight? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. God, I know that this was a lot to unpack. God, there's so much in this little uh, uh, chapter here in Second Thessalonians, God. God, I pray, Lord, that uh, as we learn these things, Lord, as we, uh, that we, they would just be revealed to us. God, that we would see them in a new light. God, in a new way. God, that the hope of glory is heaven, Lord, and that we don't have to be discouraged by this world, Lord. We're just pilgrims passing through this world. Remind us, God, each and every day. But, God, I pray, Lord, that while we are here, Lord, that your spirit would raise up within your, your people, God, in a fresh and a new way. God, I pray, Lord, that your anointing, God, would begin to flow through this body, God, each and every day, Lord, that I pray, Lord, that as this body begins to pray, Lord, that the spirit of God, Lord, would push back darkness, God, in our community, God, and in our area, God, that the light of Jesus would shine bright. God, I pray, Lord, that as we wait and we hope for your coming, God, that, Lord, that, that your revival, God, this last day revival would be poured out on us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and open our, our eyes and our minds to what you have for us, God, because we really, Lord, we know the scripture says, no eye has seen, Lord, and no ear has heard, no mind can know, God, what, what you have in store. So, God, we just expectantly just wait for you to do what you're going to do, God, and we say, God, we submit to you. Lord, we say thy will, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our lives. God, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to submit to you, God, in a fresh and a new way, and God, we'll give you the praise. God, we, we pray for every need in this house tonight. God, I know that uh, there are those waiting test results tomorrow and getting test results. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just be with them tonight. Lord, that you would touch their bodies, God, even as we're speaking here, Lord, that you would minister to the, to the parts of these bodies. God, regulate these things in their body, Lord. You know how they work. And God, we just pray, Lord, for each and every need, Lord. I, I, we lift up uh, Stephen Gore's father, Lord, who's in the hospital right now. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just put a hedge of protection around him. Lord, as his physical shape is, is slightly getting better, Lord, his mental state is, is, is a little bit disturbed. God, I pray, Lord, that peace would be on his mind right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, we just lift these, these up. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. All right, you are just.